turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of DeLorean Talk. I'm Dave Tavers. Thanks, as always, to everybody who listens. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to the people that write in offering uh, and and who want to be on the show. I promise you, I know I've said it in the past, I'm not ignoring you. I've uh, got a lot of stuff going with my own new business that I'm working on. And DeLorean Talk is a passion project that I fit it in when I can. But uh, at some point, we will uh, we will talk and we'll get more of you on the show. Because I really do want DeLorean Talk to be all about the community, Inter- you know, talking to the people that are owners and the people that listen because there's a lot of great stories out there so feel free to keep emailing me keep bugging me you're you're not bugging me uh so send in those messages comments at deloriantalk.com also if you're online check out deloriandirectory.com and if you haven't filled out the delorean census put your car in there or look up to see if your vin is already there and when it was added and what the information was Today, if you haven't already figured out, which you should have by now, today's guest is one of the people that I think, I I say he's a rock star in the community. For me, I kind of consider, well, a lot of people do, when you've got any kind of community, you've got the the gurus, the the normal people, and then the rock stars. I'm one of the normal people. I own a DeLorean. I'm not an expert at it, but I'm just a normal person. Then there's the gurus out there that are normal owners who are just excellent at at the car. They know all the details, they know lots of stuff, and they help a lot of people. Then there's the rock stars. And the rock stars are, you know, people like Rob Grady and Dave Bowerly and Ken Konslick who are have been around for a long time and just have done so much with the cars for the community. And I'm really excited to start off the first rock star, well, yeah, I would say the first rock star that I've interviewed so far for DeLorean Talk. Today, I've got Toby Peterson from DeLorean Service Northwest. Hey, Toby, thank you so much for joining me here. Absolutely. Love to chat. I have. I was a member of the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club in the mid-'90s, and I am. I'm, I know that I met you then, but I, we didn't have any kind of connection or anything, and uh, I've seen you a couple times since when I've been up there. And then I, uh, <laughs> I saw you at, uh, at the last DCS in 2018, and embarrassingly confused you with uh, with uh, Oliver Holler because I had been talking to Oliver the night before, and then I saw you in the morning and completely confused you too. So I still think about that and how dumb that was, but uh, it was great to see you there. Well, we're brothers by another mother, so that's okay. <laughs> and uh, Oliver Holler is an awesome character, so if if uh, if I'm confused with him, that's fine. <laughs> Good. Well. Uh, let's start. Usually I kind of jump past the introduction point because I always figure, oh, these people know who everybody is, but they don't. So why don't you go ahead and give your own introduction about who you are, where you're at, your current VIN number, and what, what your current business is. Okay, so I'm Toby Peterson, and I've uh, been around the DeLorean community for about 31 years now. Uh, I, my shop is up in Redmond, Washington, and uh, I live in Issaquah, Washington, so I get to commute every day, just <laughs> like a lot of folks. And uh, my VIN is, uh, well, the last four are 2248, and that's the car that I've had for 31 years. I bought it in 1988 as a basket case and uh, had it ever since. Uh, it's part of the family. Uh, it's got my butt print in the seat for sure. <laughs> and um, anyway, like I said, I own DeLorean Service Northwest. Uh, full service shop up here in in the big city of Redmond, Washington. <laughs> well, it's the east side of Seattle. Yeah. When I saw that you had moved there, it re- it cracked me up because I pulled it back up on Google Maps. I lived on the same road of where you're at now, and it was t- it's 2.5 miles away from where I lived when I was in Redmond, or from one of the places I lived in Redmond. So okay. Too bad I don't still live there because I'd be right down the street from you and be bugging you all the time. <laughs> Well, we'd love to have you here. Oh man! Well, yeah. When I when I come back up there for a visit, yeah, you're gonna have to kick me out of the shop. So your Delorean Service Northwest. It's Delorean-Service.com is your website. Uh, your phone number I have down is three six zero three five eight three eight eight six. Right. That's correct. That's a brand new number, and uh, just uh, 
brand new year and off we go. Nice. You're on Facebook and Twitter, I see. You're, uh, you've always done great about publishing on social media, so um, I'll pay better attention and go uh, look to see at the stuff you're posting. You've posted some awesome stuff in the past because you also work, you don't just work on DeLoreans, you also work on Ferraris, Maseratis, a bunch of classic exotics as well, right? Uh huh. Yes. And you've been doing that for a long time. Uh, well, yeah, there, um, when I first got started uh, working DeLoreans full time, uh, it became pretty obvious uh, as people were coming around uh, the parking lot with all these, all these other oddball cars uh, that they were they were kind of searching for somebody that was willing to put up with their car. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, these, these old Lotuses uh, and old Ferraris, uh, you know, they were saying that they, they would take it to the dealership, and the dealership wanted them to kick that car to the curb and buy a new one. Of course. And, uh, you know, and they didn't want to do that. And so... Uh, and then most other uh, general automotive shops, they they don't care to to even deal with something that's a little bit on the on the odd spectrum. Yeah. And so uh, and so I got I got all kinds of of weird things. We got we got a um, a Light Star, which is a, a little vehicle that was made back in the 80s, uh, and it looks like a rocket ship. It's got wings, and, <laughs> and you know, and they put a tail on it sometimes and make it into a little jet. But anyway, it's a it's a vehicle that that is just totally weird. And uh, one of those owners came around wondering if there was any possibility that we would work on his rig. It's like, well, sure, you know, why not? And then uh, and then some older Ferraris, uh, Ferrari of Seattle for one, you know, they're probably a great company, but they're really interested in selling um, <laughs> New you know, 433 Scuderia's, not, uh, not necessarily working on an old 308 from the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's an underserved market for the classic exotics uh, in addition to uh, the DeLorean. And this, that actually plays back into your past experience because you are an honest to goodness, uh, engineer. You were, you retired from Boeing as a, a mechanical engineer to start, start your DeLorean shops, right? Uh, well, I was actually a structural engineer. So I, I, I specialized in primary structures, heavy structures. And, uh, so yeah, I did, uh, I did 25 years at Boeing and, uh, when I graduated um, from Boeing, I was <laughs> I was a, a principal structural engineer uh, in charge of the engineering aspects of the of the 747 and 767 engine pylons. So I got to I got to take care of all the stuff that attaches the engines to the airplane. Wow! But still, uh, structural or not, you you understand a lot more than just those focused areas. Your your brain is a is a mechanic. You know how all that stuff goes together, which I, I think well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why it makes you such an awesome DeLorean and exotic mechanic, because you dig in. You don't just say, oh, swap this part and put in a new one. Well, that's true. Um, and yeah, my my parents tell me that I was born with a wrench in my hand. <laughs> um, I've, I've been a gearhead since since I can remember. And so <laughs> um, and so that that always kind of plays into things. You know, I've got. Uh, I, I remember some of the tinkering that I did back in the seventies on cars <laughs> and, um, and, and all the way through. And I've, I've always done my own work on my own cars. I've, I've never really hired anything out. Wow. Uh, you just figure it out, you know, and, and, uh, whether I've got the tools or not, you know, there's, there's where there's a will, there's a way. So, and that's, that's what kind of brought me to the point where I could step away from Boeing and, and become a full-time, uh, I guess, mechanic, Sincerely, you like I said, you've been a rock star in my mind for ever, for years years before I bought my DeLorean. You're you've been well known for a long time because you've invented and built and fixed and you've been out there for the community a lot, answering questions, helping people, figuring things out. Um, you know, I know you have to make a living, but I also I just appreciate that you're so involved with the community because I, I say we've got about forty five hundred cars left in the world. So there's not, you know, there's not a lot of people that understand them, and you're so willing to help people. Thank you on behalf of a lot of people. Thank you so much for that. Well, and uh, everyone is welcome. I, I know that's part of uh, being in a position to to service these cars and and uh, whatnot. Is is there's a lot of uh, of misinformation out there, and then just big holes in information. A lot of people are looking for. Uh, advice and counsel on on how to bring their car back to life, or or how to take care of it better, or at all, and yeah. 
and so it's it it really does become just one of the I guess responsibilities of uh, of us that are up here in the in the technical end of things, uh, you know, trying to support the community and, and make sure that everybody has the a best shot at at enjoying their car and uh, and and being good stewards of their car. Yeah, without spending a small fortune every time. Yeah. So you you bought your car in '88. Is this the only Delorean you've owned? That or I, you know, I mean, you might have owned some others along the way that you were like consigning or something, but any that you've owned and driven? Um, no, not really. This is uh, this has been my my. I'm a I'm a one trick pony as far <laughs> as that goes. Um, bought this car uh, on a whim. Um, and I, I've told the story before, but uh, but basically we were my wife and I, my wife Misty Peterson, we were looking for a sports car to drive while I was rebuilding this kit car that I had called a Sterling GT. And this uh, this little kit car was just in awful shape and and uh, and it was going to be a while. So uh, <laughs> and so we just, we talked about you know needing to have some other little thing around. Uh, because you know, otherwise it was driving the Honda Civic, and uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's nothing cool about that. Um, it, so anyway, um, uh, I just ran across this little three by five card in a little community bulletin board in a grocery store uh, that was uh, talking about a, a 1981 DeLorean for sale, best offer, and and uh, and a phone number. And so I, yeah, so I, you know, no idea. I. I course the uh, back to the future movies had been out for a couple of years and i would of course seen the movie but sure. uh, uh, that was about my only knowledge of deloreans i'd never really given them a second thought actually and uh, so anyway i looked at this delorean huh so uh, i i pulled the card off because there were no tabs or anything to, to pull off to take the phone number yeah and uh, a couple of days later i got around to calling this guy and and uh, went over there and long story short this car was uh, just in awful shape. It was uh, it was it was one foot in the grave, and um, and and this is in 1988. So the car is only seven years old, You're right? And it it had just been rode hard and put up wet, literally. Wow. And um, and this and, is in in Issaquah or east east eastern Seattle. This is this is it's down in uh, in Covington, Washington, which is uh, which is out in the Tulies, uh, east of Kent. Okay. And. Um, so yeah, we went out there and, and took a look at it. And the, so anyway, I, I, I wound up uh, striking a deal with uh, with this gentleman and uh, and hauled the car home. It it wouldn't run. It, you couldn't hardly get into it. And you couldn't hardly stand to get into it because it was full of mold and mildew and three oh. inches of standing water. Oh my gosh! And uh, and and from there, and that was in in February of 1988. So it was in the middle of winter, and uh, there's snow on the ground, as I recall. And you know, it was just it was just kind of an odd time for buying a sports car, but you know. <laughs> You know, it was one of those things. So anyway, I got this thing home and and uh, put it in our garage. You know, my daily driver got to sleep outside from then on. <laughs> the Civic, and, uh, yeah. yeah, got evicted. And so uh, started working on on the old girl. And and uh, this is 1988. So this is uh, for you youngsters out there. There was actually a world that existed before then, <laughs> uh, before the internet. And uh, but uh, anyway, so so finding parts and and finding guidance. You know, finding a shop manual—that was just a, a chore in and of itself. But right. uh, finding finding guidance and parts uh, was was very difficult. And it was kind of like the wild, wild west when it came to DeLorean stuff. So that's that's kind of how I got started. So that that's '88. Uh, Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club, I think, started in '83. Had you con- how long before you connected? Because that that was a great resource. I mean, them starting up and. Arnie Arnie Brandon basically started uh-huh. he started it and he was also yeah. he's also he was pretty amazing how long before you connected with the group and got some help from them well um it was several months later um i got uh, my car running and uh, started getting it in a little bit better condition and if i recall correctly i was out driving it around um just you know trying to see what else i needed to do to it <laughs> right and uh and i i pulled into a store someplace and when I came back out there was a piece of paper stuffed underneath the windshield wiper <laughs> and it was uh, it was one of the existing DeLorean club members who had spotted a DeLorean without the little PNDC sticker <laughs> on the windshield and figured they they got one you know they got a live one this yeah. time so uh so I called and and uh, ultimately got a hold of Arnie and uh and he introduced himself and introduced some of the other DeLorean owners and uh next thing I knew 
uh, I was over there turning wrenches, uh, helping folks getting their cars going, and, and we had a couple of big car shows that were coming up, and and uh, you know it's just been a, a sprint since then. That's incredible. First thing is, because I'm such a history geek, do any chance you you know or remember who it was that put that note under your windshield? I don't have the faintest idea. No. <laughs> That's incredible. I wish I did. I wish I did because that was that was kind of like the start. Uh, was and, and that was something that that was the purpose of that little uh, sticker that uh, that we put on the windows of the club vehicle on the vehicles that are owned by club members is uh is when when we find a car that doesn't have the sticker then uh, then we know that we need to reach out and make those folks aware of the club yeah and uh so anyway they they spotted my uh unadorned car and <laughs> and uh went from there i'm also still stuck on the fact that you said there was three inches of water in inside and mold and i mean that's incredible did you do like a full frame off or did you just pull everything out, clean it, dry it, and do the best you could to, for the time being? That was that was pretty much what I had to do uh, because there was really no uh, no sign of of how to get a hold of anybody that had parts or or anything else, and so I just figured out how to strip the interior out of the car and and <laughs> and hours of scrubbing and saddle soap and and Lysol and Pine Sol and anything that that had kills mold and mildew on the label. And so uh, 2248, when I got her all put together, uh, it smelled like a hospital. It was just <laughs> kind of interesting. And it took a while for that to dissipate. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was all just uh, doing, what I, doing what I could to, to peel it all apart. Never have done a frame off. Uh, she's, she's never been separated body from frame. Hmm. And um, uh, anyway, that, that was and – then, and then getting the, uh, the engine going – I had no idea on Bosch fuel injection, you know, how that worked. Right. And so, and, and, and there's, there was no Google at that time. They hadn't quite figured out, you know, that the internet needed to exist. Right. And, uh, and so it was, it was going to the library and checking out books and, uh, and, and dropping into, uh, old Volkswagen shops and Porsche shops and, and bugging people there on, you know, how in the world does this work? <laughs> and, uh, and then ultimately, you know, got got it sort of figured out. And then I, uh, with with uh, the help of Arnie Brandon, I was able to line up a kind of a bootleg reproduction copy of the shop manual, which I still have. The thing is just a, <laughs> it's a ratty, greasy mess. But that's the that's the original that I started with, and wow. I still have it. Nice. And uh, and that was super helpful in 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 trying to you know get to the bottom of what was going on. That's amazing. I mean, you sincerely saved a car that probably was unsavable by 99% of the other people. I can't, I can't imagine buying a DeLorean that had water, sitting water inside of the, the cabin. That's crazy. Yeah, that was extra special. The, uh, the guy, the second owner, so I'm the third owner of this car. The, the first owner was a doctor. I uh, don't know his name, but uh, he, he, I, I understand that he was a general practitioner uh, somewhere in the Seattle area. And so the DeLorean wound up on a on a consignment lot someplace, and uh, the second owner was uh, was tripping through life and and stumbled across the car and bought it. I won't tell the whole sordid tale, but uh, anyway, he wound up with a, a DeLorean in his driveway without really remembering buying it. I <laughs> uh, had it for about eighteen months and nearly destroyed it. And, uh, and in then, a, that a short amount I, of time, yeah, yeah, eighteen months. It was it was from a from a consigned well-cared-for doctor's car to just almost a pile of parts in 18 months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who'd have thunk it? Seriously, I, geez, I'm glad that of all people out there that you got that car because, yeah, that, that would have been a rough a rough rebuild. And, you know, we, we all know in the community there's lots of people that buy cars like that and don't ever finish their refurbishment because that's a huge amount of time and money and effort. And right. nowadays, with all the information and access to parts, so you doing it in the eighties, late eighties, that's that's amazing. So you're the third owner. You've since then, uh, you have just done tons and tons of stuff with it. Over the years, I know I've seen lots of YouTube videos, and there's at least a couple podcasts where you have been interviewed. Um, any any of those shows memorable? Like, did you ever have a favorite one that you were interviewed on? Um. One of my favorites was a little short uh, stint that I did in a television studio in downtown Seattle 
It was for King 5, Good Morning Northwest. And uh, they were just so enthusiastic uh, in the audience. It was a, a studio audience. And the, and the gal that was the, the host of the show, um, she was just fired up. And uh, <laughs> so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun showing off the, the remote door opening system and, and, uh, and you know, just showing this car that you know, was ancient at that time. This was a number of years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but anyway, that was, that was fun. And, and so many people got a hold of me after that, and they, were, they couldn't believe that my car with that many miles on it and that old was looking the way it did. It was, uh, it was really putting on a good shine there in the studio. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I have seen that. I know that's on YouTube. I'll I'll uh, add that video clip to the to the episode page so everybody okay. can watch it. Yeah, that it's fun. You're right. She's very excited. Yeah, but uh, but there's there have been you know a lot of other um, things that I've been involved in that were a lot of fun. But uh, but anyway, that was that was one that stood out a little bit. And then the uh, the experiences with Leah Thompson uh, at the oh, Emerald yeah. City Comic Con in 2012. That was awesome too. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, so uh, the club got. Uh, contacted by the management team at the Emerald City Comic Con. And uh, they had, at that time, they had Christopher Lloyd booked and also Leah Thompson booked to uh, to be special guests at the Comic Con. And uh, they were looking for a, a couple of DeLoreans to, to squire them around a little bit. And um, ultimately, uh, Mr. Lloyd had to drop out because he had other commitments that popped up. But Leah Thompson continued to, uh, to be a, a VIP guest there. And so uh, we put the word out that, that we needed a few DeLoreans, <laughs> too. Uh, and, uh, and people just responded like crazy. Um, you know, this is, what, March of 2012, so it's like, late winter and you know the weather's still pretty crummy and um uh we had a, a total of 23 deloreans turn out for this and so talk about the thundering herd we got everybody together in the loading dock of the washington uh, convention, convention center. center i've seen those and, photos uh, too it, and we just filled the place up with stainless steel <laughs> and uh that was just a blast uh hurtling through downtown seattle on a saturday night because uh, we were going from the convention center over to the uh, the Uptown th- uh, Cinema, uh, and then they were going to be showing Back to the Future, and then uh, Leah Thompson was going to have a panel. And uh, but just hanging with her and her entourage, and uh, just the whole thing was was really kind of a surreal experience. <laughs> that is an awesome experience. I wish I had been there. That would have been great just to even be a fly on the wall for that. Because the picture is twenty three DeLoreans. Well, even last year, I know I've mentioned it, you guys had 17 or 18 DeLoreans in the St. Patrick's Day Parade that happens every year in Seattle. Yep. That's just incredible. I don't know how often that happens around the world. Uh, The UK Club has this great photo of, it's got to be 20-plus DeLoreans lined up on a little side road with a bunch of trees next to the road. That and then uh, Eurofest two years ago, three years ago. Um, uh-huh. In front of the whatever their one of their capital buildings were another beautiful photo, but seeing all those pictures of the DeLoreans at the Washington State Convention Center is also pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it was really a lot of fun, and uh, and it just really kind of put uh, people on notice that the DeLoreans were here to stay. You know, there was, yeah, it wasn't like there was just one or two left in the world. People knew that you know we were there in numbers. Yeah. A lot of people want to hear stories, more technical things about the car. What is one of the biggest problems you've had or seen, or what's uh, you know what's a problem that comes up constantly that you wish you could tell everybody do this or don't do that, and and it would it would fix some problems. One of the the main things that we see uh, with cars coming in, a lot of them are have come in, you know, not so much anymore, but we still have, you know, one or two here right now, as a matter of fact, that uh, have been in storage uh, for some length of time. You know, it's either it's either a few years or a few decades. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the the problems that we get from, from long-term storage where the car was stored improperly, it's just endless. Yeah. Uh, just the corrosion and, and uh, everything else. But and so that's that's something you know that's that's becoming less and less of an issue because a lot of those cars we've brought them back to life and and now they're they're functioning cars that are uh, that are you know finding joy out in the world now. But um, uh, one of the one of the yeah one of the main things that we see is just uh, cars that stand around too much and so the fuel systems 
begin to deteriorate. Uh, rubber parts begin to to dissolve back to nature and <laughs> right. and all that. And and uh, I'm actually I was uh, going to be starting on a on a fuel uh, fuel injection distributor rebuild this afternoon and didn't quite get to it. But uh, um, I've done you know, probably 25 of them, I suppose. And uh, and I I can get her done in about three and a half hours. Oh wow. <laughs> That's not so bad. Uh, what other crazy stories come to mind when cars have shown up in the shop? Uh, given that, like even my car, 27 years in the garage, it, it took a couple of months to get everything refurbed and finished. And the fuel, you know, there was, still had fuel in it and the oil hadn't been drained. So, again, improper storage. That's almost a given. Mm-hmm. What other stuff uh, comes to your mind? So the fuel system is is one of the big swingers, then uh, and then brakes. Um, a lot of times we'll have uh, one or all of the brake calipers completely seized uh, because people just don't get around to changing the brake fluid every couple of years like they really should. Uh, brake fluid draws uh, water right out of the air, and uh, and all that water once it gets into the fluid, it settles out in uh, all the nooks and crannies, and most of those nooks and crannies are made of steel. And so you get a lot of corrosion going on, and then the and then the caliper sees, and everything has to be taken apart and rebuilt completely before the brakes work again. And it's it's a huge undertaking. It really is uh, very expensive. So if people would would simply have their fluids changed every couple of years, yeah, just flush it and put new fluid in. Huh. Uh, that's that's all they would need to do, and they would probably never have to have their brakes rebuilt. Uh, it's just kind of amazing. Um, in the you know, after a while, the brake master cylinders will wear out just because it's rubber seals in there that are riding against a, a, a cylinder bore. Yeah. And so you get wear and tear there. But uh, still, you know, the uh, the system will last, all the components in the system will last a lot longer if, if hmm. just routine maintenance is taken care of. So routine maintenance really is, is one of the keys to uh, keeping a, an old car on the road. Um, nowadays, with modern cars... You know, their their first tune-up is at a hundred thousand miles, right? And uh, people people start thinking in those along those lines with a thirty-eight-year-old car, and you just can't, you just can't. Uh, they're, they're, those cars were were made at, at a time when routine maintenance was required. To talk about the brakes for a second, because like I've I've been driving my car just over three years now, and okay. it has been almost uh, issue-free. But I'm wondering, and, I, and I've put a fair number of miles on my car. I don't. It's not a daily driver. I drive it a couple times a month. But if if you're using the brake system, will, will it still collect that water? Or are you talking about if the car sits for five or ten years? Uh, when you're using the system, when you're using the car, uh, the the brake fluid is continuously drawing moisture from the air. Huh. There there have been studies where they've seen moisture migrating through rubber flexible brake hoses and actually getting into the uh getting huh. into the fluid and uh there's a lot of uh, big fleets you know taxi cab fleets and and bus fleets uh where they they basically take uh routine samples of the fluid and they measure it for moisture content and when it gets up to a certain percentage i think it's three and a half or four percent they they change the fluid it doesn't matter whether uh, the brake fluid is is a year old or two years old or six months old. If it if it's absorbed that much fluid uh, uh, water, then uh, then it gets changed huh. just to prevent corrosion from occurring internally to the system. Wow! And so it, it's really the passage of time is the issue, uh, not so much as as sitting or not sitting uh, miles. Yeah. yeah, sitting or not sitting. Now now sitting uh, certainly doesn't help because that water instead of being pushed around and kind of kept in circulation uh it settles out and then you get a lot more focused corrosion (laughs) but uh, but but basically uh the passage of time is really the enemy and uh, that goes with the cooling system as well the cooling system the the antifreeze has uh anti-corrosion corrosion inhibitors uh, as part of its additive package if you've got anything you know other than distilled water stuck in there uh and um so with with the antifreeze it will it will dissipate the the, the anti corrosion characteristics will dissipate over a period of time, and uh, if you if you don't change the coolant uh, every couple of years again, they've got everything kind of set up along those lines. Then uh, then you'll start getting galvanic corrosion in the cooling system, and uh, the aluminum loses the battle. So you'll start getting uh, corrosion pits in the aluminum pipes, 
and in the engine block and uh, anywhere, especially anywhere that uh, steel and aluminum come together. Uh, in the presence of water, uh, there, there's a galvanic reaction that occurs and the aluminum loses the battle. So, uh, you know, in areas, in, in, in cars where you've got soft blocks and you're starting to get block rot, yeah. that's because of that's because the coolant hasn't been changed wow. uh, primarily. This is fantastic to hear. Um, not that I thought that my DeLorean wasn't going to need any maintenance, but I'm, you know, at the three-year mark and somewhere around, I think I've put about t- almost 10,000 miles on it in three years. I know it's time to start kind of refocusing on that stuff. This last year, I started the Orange County DeLorean Club. We've had awesome turnouts and people are coming together. We're doing three tech days this year. Next one is in February. And this is the kind of stuff that while paying you or a shop to do it is obviously good. You're in business. You need to make money and keep the business going. There's things like this. Changing brake fluid is not that hard. You hook up a couple of rubber hoses. You 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 know pump the system, and you can flush it all, put new stuff in there. Same thing with the coolant system. Those seem like things that owners can do on their own. Absolutely. And uh, when we have tech sessions with the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club, uh, that's one of the focuses of, of the tech sessions that I put on uh, is to is to teach the owners how to better care for their cars and, and things like, you know, they really should be changing the fluids, whether they do it in their own driveway or their own garage or take it someplace else or bring it to me. Um, yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter so much that, you know, where it happens or, or who does it, but that it's done properly and that it's done on a regular basis. Can you give a quick tip on, on the brake fluid and the coolant? Like, is there an easy place, is there a best place to connect hoses to dump that fluid out? Uh, well, with, with the brake system, for instance, um, you have to bleed the brakes. What you do is you, is you push fluid through from the brake master cylinder reservoir all the way through the system until, uh, until that, uh, the old fluid is completely pushed out by new fluid. And so you have to have, you know, at least a quart of, uh, of fresh dot four brake fluid on hand. More than you and, need because uh, you're going to be mixing yeah. them until it's a nice, clean, clean passage. Right. So you, you put fluid in there and then you start pushing it through and, and, uh, and, it, and the system is going to spit out all the old fluid and, uh, and then you're going to wind up with most, you know, 99% fresh fluid uh, everywhere in the system after you get done. And, um, but you, yeah, you start out with about a quart and uh, it doesn't take, you know, perhaps that much, but uh, uh, that's, that's how you do it. And, and it has to be done in sequence, really, uh, to do it properly. Uh, where you get somebody set up to pump the pedal. You don't need special tools necessarily for a brake fluid flush, uh, but you need a, a able-bodied assistant that can pump the pedal and <laughs> right. you know pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah. And then uh, and then you start out uh, from the the right rear, and then you go to the left rear, and then the right front, and then the left front. So that's the kind of sequence you you go from the farthest corner to the nearest corner, and um, and and basically just open up the bleed screw. Uh, there's a bleed screw on each caliper. And so you have to have the wheels off uh, for the fronts. You can do the wheels on for the rears, but you might as well just take all four wheels sure. off if you can, if you're on a lift or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, you know, have the person pump. It's, everybody's probably done this at some point in their life, either on a DeLorean or something else. Uh, you know, somebody pumps and, and then holds, and then and then you release the fluid into a container and and then tighten the bleed screw back up, and you just repeat until uh, good, clean fluid is coming out of that particular caliper, and then you move to the next one. I have not done it on the DeLorean, but on older cars. I remember the metal bar that goes over the top, and you pop the top off, dump in clean fluid, then you put the top back on, seal it, and then have the person uh, pump, and, and you just have them keep pumping it until the clean fluid shows up in the in your bucket? Yeah. And then you just keep repeating that, each wheel and do you have to go around twice or is once enough uh once should be enough if you're if you're thorough about it you know um you know somebody can go around and do it twice but then you're consuming more brake fluid and it's taking longer and sure it's gonna it's gonna be longer before you can get to that cool beverage at the end of the day (laughs) Uh, but uh, how long does that take if you're if you don't have a lift i mean if if you're just putting jacking up the rear end and putting them on jack stands you're just doing you know two the back two first um, mm-hmm. How long does it take to do the whole job for a home or a home person? 
I would say that uh, if you budgeted uh, probably two hours, um, okay. you can probably get the job done. And, Got it. Uh, yeah. Cool. And uh, that includes that includes taking the wheels off and then properly torquing when you put the wheels back on. <laughs> Don't forget that. Right. You know, people, uh, they, they, they snug the, the lug nuts up, and then they move on, and they forget to go back and torque <laughs> the lug nuts, and then you lose the wheel, and that's bad. Off the top of your head, what's the proper torque on, the, on those lugs? Do you know? 70 foot-pounds. <laughs> I, I, I assumed you would know that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about for the uh, coolant system? Because obviously, well, not obviously, my my short experience is like the number one problem with any normal decent running DeLorean is cool is the cooling system. Where do you dump that? Rather than just overheating the car and dumping it that way, where is the best yeah. way to where is the best place to dump that? And is it the same process? Do you run the car hot while you're dumping the fluid out and just keep adding to it, or do you wait till it's cool? Uh, well. To start out with, uh, the the fact is, in in overall in the world of automotive uh, maintenance, about I think about eighty percent of all roadside problems, you know, breakdowns by the side of the road are cooling system related. Eighty percent. Uh, I think that overall, it's, I think it's about eighty percent, you know, kind of in the world. Yeah. And so that's that you know the cooling system is is one of those problematic areas where you know, it really all needs to work. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's why maintaining it is really a good idea. But, uh, as far as, uh, doing a cooling system flush, uh, I'll say how you do it depends on whether your car has been changed or upgraded at all. Uh, if you have the original radiator, which has plastic end tanks, there's no drain valve of any kind on the radiator. And so what you have to do is, um, if you don't have a lift, uh, so that you can get down into the uh, underneath the car more, uh, what you wind up doing is is pulling the radiator hose loose uh, huh. that's down on the right-hand lower corner and then draining out most of the cooling system there. Oh. Uh, and then there's on the sides of the engine block, there's a couple of big drain plugs that you can remove to drain the coolant out of the block. And uh, and then there's there's always going to wind up being a little bit of residual coolant, you know, in all the nooks and crannies of the cooling system. But yeah. uh, But that gets you... Uh, quite a bit of the cooling system emptied out, and then uh, and that's and this is all done when it's cold. Uh, there's yeah. nothing worse than being scalded by hot <laughs> coolant. Ask me how I know. I'm sure you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got attacked by a 1977 Lotus Esprit with hot coolant, and uh, it caused some pretty severe burns on my left hand. Wow. Um, so you you drain the coolant out that way, and then you and then you fill it up. And there's actually a a procedure. Um, where you you fill it up and then you bleed out air because it, it's it's kind of like the brake system. Um, you have to bleed all the air out of the system uh, in order for the coolant to flow properly throughout the radiator and elsewhere. And so uh, there's a there's a procedure for bleeding the air out of the out of the radiator and then bleeding air out of the uh, the engine portion of the cooling system. Hmm. And uh, there, and and that procedure actually varies depending on uh, whether or not there's been any kind of a self-bleeder system installed or not. Uh, a lot of cars have had it. Uh, I came up with a system back in 1993, and uh, and it's it's kind of spread throughout the world. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's something that if you do have a self-bleeder kit installed, then um, makes it easier. Uh, it it makes it easier. It still you know still has to be done to a degree manually, but uh, once it's once the air is bled out of the system, then it uh, then it will kind of maintain itself in an air-free uh, condition uh, from then on. You said you you came up with that in '93. Yeah. This goes back to your other business, the DeLorean Parts Northwest, which most people who don't live in the I, I will probably never use your shop because I'm a thousand miles away, literally. But DeLorean Parts Northwest has been around for a long time. What is that part that you were just talking about, the bleeder valve for the cooling system? Do you still have that? Do you still sell it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, they're sold on a regular basis, and a number of other vendors have copied it. Uh, back in, you know, so DeLorean Parts Northwest, the, the part company that I own, it was started in 2003. So so a decade before that, in 1993, we were with the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club. We were p- participating in a parade in Issaquah, Washington, called the Salmon Days Parade, and it was really hot that year. And um, uh, we had, uh, as memory serves, we had like eight or ten cars in the in the parade. Mine was one of them. 
So my wife and I were in there, you know, doing the parade wave. And uh, it was it was something like 90 degrees out, which is really <laughs> odd for this area. Yeah. And, um, and my car started to overheat. And, uh, and I, I literally had to drop out of the parade. Um, and it really annoyed me, you know, so here I am, I'm the, I'm the director of tech for the club and, and all this. And, and, and here I am dropping out of the parade in my own car because yeah. it's overheating. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, well, what's up with that? And so, um, you know, I, I pulled off and then the rest of the, of the group finished the parade and then a couple of them circled back around to, uh, to see if they could assist. And, um, and I, I saw Arnie and a couple of other guys um, trying to push, you know, they were putting coolant into the system and then trying to push air out of it in different ways. It was really odd what they were doing. And I was watching this whole thing going, well, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. So, um, so I thought about uh, the way the cooling system was configured and, and where the high spots are and the low spots and, and kind of how things circulate. And it occurred to me that if I could get um, a connection between the the top of the engine and the coolant fill tank that there would uh, that was that was constantly flowing a little bit of fluid uh, any air that happened to wander into the engine portion of it would would just find its way to the coolant fill tank which is half full of air all the time anyway right and um, I went down to Lowe's or Home Depot or one of those and, and picked up a bunch of non-automotive clear <laughs> tubing so that I could see what was going on and just kind of cobbled together what I thought might be a, an adequate arrangement. And I was able to see all of this air coming through the system because of the clear tubing. Uh, what I didn't take into account right then was that the clear tubing wasn't really good for temperature. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I decided to take my car for a drive just to see how <laughs> things were. And I, I got out on I-90 and blew all those vinyl hoses right <laughs> off. And, and uh, so I was I was by the side of the road with a cooling system problem again, <laughs> and, and nobody stopped. And right. um, so anyway, I, uh, but that was that that was confirmation to me that the, that that kind of a concept would work. And yeah. so we started putting together these little kits, and then Arnie was selling them through the club right. to people all over the place. And he, so he'd put together these little kits. Um, you know, he was retired by that time, and. And so he'd he'd put together these little kits and mail them out, and and they they wound up in different countries and all over the United States, um, and then um, it really kind of spread out to other vendors uh, when the DeLorean Owners Association had their their expo down in Las Vegas in 1995, and uh, at that time you know there was a lot of people from all over the place that were converging on Vegas. Yeah, uh, they had they had quite a few cars there, and several of the cars. Uh, had the self bleeder system installed <laughs> and uh and it was noted <laughs> and uh before before long and of course that was ninety five the internet was just coming coming right. online yeah and uh so it, it just spread like wildfire and there was there's all kinds of versions of it that popped up, but we still have uh, our original version that we've improved and added to over the years, and it's a constant seller is how easy is it to install is that something I can do? Oh yeah, it's uh, it, everything that I do through DeLorean Parts Northwest comes with complete instructions, pictures, the whole bit. In fact, if uh, if people complain at all, it's that my instructions are too detailed and and their brain <laughs> fries. But yeah, it comes with complete instructions, and it's it's very simple to do. Most hmm. people get it done in an hour or less. At that same time, do you do a coolant flush, or do you not have to? If it's uh, if it's due for a coolant flush, that'd be a great time to do it. But it. you don't have to. Uh, you actually lose very little coolant installing the system, hmm, and nice. so um, uh, you'll, you'll probably have to top it up a little bit. But if your if your cooling system has been recently uh, serviced, then you don't need to service it again. You can just yeah. add the system in there, and you're good to go. So that's DeLorean-Parts.com. That's for the DeLorean Parts Northwest, and then uh -huh. DeLorean-Service.com is for the service. Um, Correct. I'll I'll put it on the episode page. I'll put a link to that as well, because that's I know I hear Chris Miles talking about that and the adjustable otter stat and some other stuff. You've got a uh -huh. lot of parts that you've come up with or or uh, fixed over the years. Do you have of all the stuff you've created, invented, or or improved upon? Do you have a favorite DeLorean parts Northwest upgrade that you've come up with? Um, I think one of the favorites, and you know, it's something that, like I say, it's it's all over the world. is um, is the wings aloft system, and there's 
there's a number of different versions of that, but it's it's one of those things where you know everybody thinks that the the gull wing doors on a on a DeLorean are cool, but when <laughs> they can open up remotely, it's like way cool. Yeah. And uh, and people that install uh, one of the wings aloft systems in their car the first time, the first thing they ask is why did I wait so long? You know, they <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's just immediate gratification and it. It brings a lot of oohs and ahs and and uh, and whatnot when people can show off at a car show or or even just out you know living life with their car and they're yeah. and they're walking up to their car with two two uh, hands full of groceries and they <laughs> they figure out a way to press the key fob and the doors open up and everybody around it's like what just happened yeah so that's that's one of my favorites and and it's uh, we we got rolling on that um, it was a the, the original concept was was really developed to some degree by Daryl Tinnerstedt, who owned a, a specialty automotive uh, down in Olympia, Washington. So Daryl had had come up with this idea, and he was actually selling some components, but it was more uh, the instructions on how to do it to your own car. And uh, and so when we bought his inventory and started DeLorean Parts Northwest. Um, I took that idea and uh, turned it around to make it into a kit of parts that uh, you would just purchase. You wouldn't have to go scrounging around all over the place yeah. to to get this and that. So just a kit of parts, and then uh, and then a complete installation instruction sheet so that you you know people could do it consistently each time. And then uh, since since that time in 2003, it's it's branched out into uh, a lot of different versions. There's Four different versions of the uh, of the of the wings aloft system uh, that incorporate things like uh, an alarm system and remote start and uh, remote window controls and remote this that and the other thing. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just recently, just in the last few weeks, um, I identified a, a proximity sensor that can be added to the deluxe and elite versions allow the car to to be enveloped with a radar field <laughs> and uh, so instead of somebody coming up and jostling your car bumping against it or whatever to cause the alarm to go off if people walk up to the car it chirps at them to let them know that the car is armed and dangerous <laughs> and then if if they nice. reach in the window uh it sets it off immediately so you can have the car you know all closed up and locked up but if somebody reaches in the window it'll set the alarm off just because of the proximity alarm wow. sensor and uh, so that's that's something that uh, that we just kicked out the door um, like about three weeks ago. One of the first things I wanted to do when I got my car was put in a wings loft. I still haven't. Part of that is just more of a time and money thing. But one uh-huh. of these years, I, I can see doing it. My my power door locks still don't work. They never have. Um, oh, so I I have to lock and unlock the car with the key every time. But uh, how I'll old school? I know. It is fun. It does. It does throw off a lot of non-Delorean owners when friends get in the car and we go someplace and I have to lock the door. People are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "There's no power locks on. I mean, there, there is power locks, but they haven't worked in 30 years." So, uh, so yeah. Once when I get around to doing the wings aloft, I know all that stuff will end up getting fixed and then it'll work properly. Yeah, we'll get you hooked up. <laughs> Actually, boy, you should consider. I know, like Rob Grady travels around the country working on cars. It would be awesome to one of these years get you flying to California and all the places where people have, you know, DeLoreans to come and have the professional, the inventor, or not the inventor, but the, the perfectionist on it, install a bunch of wings aloft because there, there's some technique to it. We've got a couple guys here in the Orange County DeLorean Club that have figured it out pretty well. They do a good job at it, but there's there's no replacement for the guy that, you know, perfected it. So. Uh-huh. When, yeah. you, when you come to SoCal for any number, amount of time, we're going to have to schedule some time and have you install them. Sure. Love to. Cool. I saw you a couple years ago at the St. Patrick's Day party for PNDC, and you had told a short version of a story about a guy that you had had the car in the shop. You, I think you did a stage two to the car, and you put a bunch of work into it, but you didn't. the guy didn't want to replace the radiator. And he drove the car, he picked up the car and, and almost blew the engine on it. And then you got the car back and the oil caused a, a little stir in your near your shop. Is that a story you can tell? Yeah, sure. Um, and this and this gets back to... Um, cooling systems. You know, just do, yeah, cooling systems, exactly. Um, so, this yeah, this is a local owner and, and uh, he, he purchased it recently. And it had, uh, it had been maintained somewhat, but 
then again, not so good. And it had an original radiator in it, and uh, and so yeah, he wanted a bunch of uh, it wanted a bunch of upgrades and a bunch of things done, and so we went through and and um, took a good look at everything, and the radiator uh, wasn't leaking and seemed secure, although it was original. Um, and then uh, the coolant hoses were in pretty good shape, and uh, so we did a, a northwest version of the stage two, and um, got him all set up that way. And then uh, the car, the, the engine still had the break-in oil in it, so we use a special break-in oil for the first couple of hundred miles uh, to to break in the cams and the rocker arms properly, and just make sure that everything is is set up for uh, longevity of the engine. And um, and this break-in oil isn't so good for normal use. It's it's good for the break-in period, but it's it it really doesn't tolerate high temperatures well. And, uh, and and so he had he had, was driving the car and it still had the break-in oil in it, and he blew the radiator. The radiator failed, and and he didn't really pay too much attention to that. <laughs> uh, so as the cooling system was emptying itself uh, out the front end, he continued driving it, and uh, and it got really really hot and uh, and started making all kinds of foul noises and and all kinds of things, and so um, it was brought in on a flatbed. Uh, back in, yeah, and um, and we we took a look at things, and the and the oil had changed. It had gone from a liquid to kind of a gel, and it had this smell that was just awful. It was it was unbelievable, is what it was. Um, it stunk up the whole place, and um, I was still in my shop down in Bellevue at the time, and uh, literally we had just done a little. Uh, a little bit of work on the car, but really hadn't gotten rolling on it yet. And the smell permeated the entire parking lot. <laughs> and to the to the extent that a couple of the other tenants in the building called the Puget Sound Energy uh, because they thought it was a natural gas leak. Uh, it had that rancid sulfur smell to it. Right. And so we had a bunch of firemen running around and, and PSE workers running around looking for a gas leak. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, guys, it's not really that. It's this real stinker of a car over here. And so I showed them what was going on, and they're like, oh. And uh, so anyway, we, in order to get that, that break-in oil out of there, we had to change the oil, uh, run the engine, and change the oil repeatedly about four times. Wow. And uh, finally finally got the, uh, the gel out of there, and it was, wow. was kind of funny. And, of course, put a new radiator in the car yeah, and yeah. Uh, got it all squared away. And, and it turned out that there was no harm done, luckily. Uh, it could have been far worse. Sure. But, uh, but, yeah, there was, there was no harm done to the car, and, and he's driving it to this day and, and nice. very much enjoying it. I just I still remember that story, and I've tried telling it, but, uh, yeah, that is that is quite amazing. Other than that, any other amazing stories that uh, of all your years working on DeLoreans, customer cars, or even your own? Well, there, you know, there's there's been so many different things that uh, that we've been involved in. One of my my favorite projects of all time, and one of the largest, was the uh, right hand conversion that we yeah. did for an Australian customer back in 2012. I'll, and, I'll put a um, link to that because I I got your permission a long time ago, and I put that article up on DeLoreanDirectory.com. You've got so many great pictures and so much detail in there. It is mind-blowing that you converted a stock DeLorean and flipped everything. And when you guys go look at this stuff, it, it isn't just that he put the steering wheel on the right-hand side. I mean, there is so much work that went into that. It is amazing. Yeah, there, there are so many little details that people really don't think of, and, uh, and, and, and they have to be thought of because this is going to a different country. And, uh, and so all the, the authorities over there in Australia, they needed to, to buy into the fact that this car was safe to drive. And uh, so that's that's what the goal was, is to have a car that would be able to be registered in uh, in Australia. And Queensland is where it went, uh, in the province of, or state, I guess they call it, of Queensland. And uh, they're, they're one of the more uh, strict as far as rules and, uh, and regulations on the road. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was it was quite the project to uh, to take this car and, and flip it over from a left-hand <laughs> drive to a right-hand drive. And it took a lot of hours, uh, yeah. uh, but it was very gratifying at the end because the uh, the country of Australia declared the car when all, when all was said and done, they declared the car to be a factory right hand drive, <laughs> and uh, I I thought that was pretty cool. That is amazing! Since, wow. Since that doesn't actually exist, you know, there, right. there never was a factory right hand drive, but yeah. uh, there is one now, and it's uh, it's in <laughs> Queensland. 
That's awesome. And uh, so that was that was kind of one of my favorites. Uh, there's been a, some non-DeLorean, uh, really awesome stories uh, dealing with like a Ferrari uh, Mondial that uh, that had a cam belt strip on it and uh, just crammed the motor. And so we had to go through and do a complete engine rebuild um, on a on a Ferrari 308 uh, engine that was in this Mondial. <clears throat> that was exciting because uh, all the all the manuals are still in Italian, and uh, all the you know for and for an old car like that you can't get parts in the United States. We had to get valves from uh, from Italy, wow. and uh, it was it was an unbelievable thing. And then and then we had a a couple of uh, real deep uh, projects that were dealing with Lotuses. Um, one V8 twin turbo. The the engine was just in in a horrible state. And had to do a complete engine rebuild on that one with new liners and pistons and everything, and um, and so that that kind of got me all uh, set up for my own car. When when my car got to about two hundred and twenty-seven thousand miles, I started getting coolant in the oil, and uh, and a little bit of uh, evaluation led me to the conclusion that one of the liner seals had breached, and so I was getting. Uh, quite a bit more coolant in the oil than, than I really wanted to stand. <laughs> yeah. And so last fall, uh, I went ahead and pulled the, the trigger on, on doing my own engine rebuild. And so went through and, and uh, did new liners, new pistons, uh, of course, new rings and bearings, and, and uh, uh, upgraded the cams to uh, a cam, my own cam grind, hmm. and uh, really kind of set it up as, a, as kind of an enhanced version of the Northwest Stage 2. Nice. And uh, so anyway, I haven't I haven't dynoed it yet. Uh, she's got about um, three thousand miles on it since uh, since the rebuild. So give it a couple more thousand miles, uh, and then just go out and abuse it on a dyno and see what happens. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see more now that you're getting back on social media. I'm excited to see more of these updates from you of things like that because whether it's your own car or or other cars the your knowledge is just so fantastic and again i'm sincerely thankful to be able to talk to you that you're accessible how helpful and and knowledgeable you are that you share with the community uh sincerely appreciate that certainly i'm glad to uh glad to to chat with you and and i'm i'm really happy to be able to serve the delorean community at large and then also um other communities i'm i'm a member of the uh evergreen lotus car club and and i try and help them out when i can it's it's it's, it's great to be able to uh, to be of service and be of assistance to folks as they make their way through the world with their old cars yeah well okay so one more time for everybody the parts website is delorean-parts.com the service site is delorean-service.com your phone number is 360-358-3886 uh, I'm assuming people can call you anytime, leave a voicemail, send an email, contact at delorean-service.com with questions or issues. I know uh, you, I'm I'm guilty of talking to the newish owners down here, and I'm like, uh, for certain things, I'm like, send a note, an email to Toby because there's a good chance he can give you point you in a direction or give you a solution. Uh, I know I'm always uh, telling people to do that just because you're you're so much out there, and that's why I keep saying thanks. So well, and, and I appreciate that, and and thank you for uh, for you know allowing me to to be one of the go to resources. I guess I have written quite a few articles that I keep on file uh, on on various things, so that when uh, when folks from Australia or New Zealand or wherever <laughs> uh, email me and they say I'm, they're having a problem with this or that, I can send them a, a an article that I've already written on the topic, yeah. and it really helps them to to get things squared away. You know. When they're in whatever corner of the world they're in, yeah, they can't just pop over to your shop. Yeah, no, not not so much. Well, um, I always close with the same dumb question, but you've been a longtime owner and you're a DeLorean rock star, so I always ask everybody, what's in the trunk of your DeLorean right now? I got a lot of junk in the trunk, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> so I've got a little toolkit with uh, with some some basic tools and a couple of jumper wires and with alligator clips and other other things you know just some basics like that um a couple of belts and trying you know not necessarily for myself but also to be able to help somebody out if we're on a caravan someplace and then uh and then i've got my my car cover 
and um, my little PNDC flag that I can clip on during parades. Oh, and whatnot. I love those. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, and then uh, underneath the carpet, I've got one of my my front strut braces uh, all bolted down, and uh, that's that's what I've got in the trunk. All right. And a and a spare that never holds air. <laughs> well, l- let me sidetrack one more second then on that because I have seriously considered taking the sp- the spare out of the car so that I can put the tools and stuff that I never hopefully never have to use. Put those underneath. I. Uh, the first DCS I went to, in fact, uh, Mark Dellinger was one of the episodes here. He had got he had a flat shortly after leaving DCS, put the spare on, and it blew in one mile. Is there really any reason to leave the spare in the car? Like anybody that lives, at least in the West Coast, if you're in Seattle or you know Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, you're going to call AAA, right? Who do you really need to keep the spare in the car if you live in a major city? Well, you know, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, you're right. There's a lot of folks that, that say, well, that's why AAA was, was developed was so that they didn't have to deal with, you know, flat tires and stuff like that. And so I've had a number of people that have actually done what you're suggesting, which is take the spare out and, and use that space for other things. But uh, I have personally used my spare once on my car. Uh, I was on my way to a, to a, an appointment someplace and I, and I drove over some spikes in the road, I guess. And, pretty well toasted one of the rear tires and uh, so i was able to put my spare on and even though it didn't have any air it's a it's a sturdy enough tire to where i was able to drive about three or four miles to a tire shop where they where they put on uh the the closest thing that they could come to uh, <laughs> a to a new tire, tire on, yeah. on yeah and then uh and then uh, as a matter of fact a couple of years ago we were over in in Roslyn, Washington, which is the geographic center of nowhere, yeah, and um, and uh, Arnie Brandon, the the founder of the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club, was leaving the the picnic. It was a summer picnic, and uh, he left a little bit early, and uh, so he was heading down the road. He was he was a few miles away from Roslyn on I ninety, and uh, one of his rear tires delaminated. Uh, just this great big bulge appeared, and 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 he was driving this car that had a oval egg-shaped tire <laughs> instead of a round one and uh and so he figured that he would just you know drive until it just shredded and then he would figure out something from there and uh and but but his son-in-law was behind him and uh, his son-in-law called me up on the phone on the cell phone and and uh, let me know what was going on and so we we kind of ended the ended the the picnic right then and uh, got all buttoned up and then and then we uh, converged on Arnie's car right there on I-90 and uh, and he happened to have a spare that had a little air in it, not much, <laughs> but a little bit. But uh, he was able to pull off into a into a parking area where there was a little cafe and a little kind of a convenience store that had a uh, had a an air machine where you pop a couple of quarters in right. and you can get a little squirt of air. And uh, and so I was able to have a little tech session by the side of the road where i was teaching everybody how this jack actually works oh, so we nice. got arnie's jack yeah we got jack, arnie's jack out and I, I demonstrated how to use it to jack the car up we got the uh the the, the flat tire off the, the wheel that had gone bad and then uh then we got his spare out we I, I sent somebody over with a couple of quarters and they aired up the spare uh from about i think it had about 20 psi and it aired it up to 60 psi and uh, he, we put that spare on, and he drove all the way into Seattle from from basically Roslyn. Wow! So it's I don't know, probably sixty or seventy miles. And uh, and then the next day was able to to get a uh, a replacement, replacement tire, and, and off yeah. he went. So there was a uh, huh. that would have been a an all day ordeal trying to get AAA clear out there into the Tuleys. Sure. And um, so it worked out pretty well to have to have the spare in that case. And yeah. Like I said, I've I've used it myself. Uh, so I wouldn't completely condemn the spare, but it is in a, in an urban setting, probably it's just kind of a waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Toby. Uh, fantastic talking to you and I'm looking forward to talking to you more over the, over time. I'm really excited. I haven't been up to Seattle in a couple of years. I lived there for many years. Uh, but now when I come back, I am certainly going to make the time to come visit your shop and uh, look forward to seeing you in person and checking out the new shop. Well, I'd love to show you around, and uh, we can go up. Uh, the shop is very close to the wine country in the uh, Woodenville, Washington area, and so uh, we can go up and, and uh, 
have a nice sip of uh, of the local wine and and uh, discuss all things Delorean when you get here. Awesome. All right, Toby. Thanks again. Uh, talk to you soon. All righty. Everybody else that's out there, thanks again for listening. Appreciate your support and your interest. I know there's not enough of these. Uh, uh, it's part of it is making the time, but I love doing them and I appreciate everybody's support. Be sure to check out Toby's sites, delorean-service.com, phone number 360-358-3886, and Delorean Parts Northwest, which is delorean-parts.com. Again, check out all the social media for deloreandirectory.com. Make sure to your, put your car on the DeLorean census. Check out the club listing. And take a look at the DeLoreans on display list as well. If there's any DeLoreans anywhere in the world at museums that are not on the list, send a message in so we can get it on the list and tell people where, to, where they can find a DeLorean at. Thanks again. Drive safe and uh, keep, keep some air in the spare, I guess.